Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the On The Rocks podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, alongside my colleague Patrick Saunders, joining me from the Steel City, where the Rockies just finished up a three-city East Coast road trip. And on today's segment, we're going to be discussing Wade Davis, and most specifically, his recent trip to the injury list and what that means for the Rockies bullpen. So Patrick, we'll start off with Davis himself. Uh, headed to the IL with that oblique injury, and you got the sense that it wasn't very serious from Keith Duggar, the trainer. Is that correct? Correct. You know, and Wade was not around to talk to. Uh, Wade's kind of a hard guy to pin down, pin down overall. But yeah, Keith Duggar, the head trainer, described it as a mild oblique issue. Uh, but you know what? And you and I both know covering baseball for quite a while, and, and you still played men's league baseball. You know the torque of uh, an oblique for a pitcher, for anybody, uh, can be very painful. And even a mild case can sit you out for a while. And the thing that they they always have to make sure is that it's healed completely. Because if it's not, uh, all it takes is, you know, one really bad movement out on the mound or a, a lurch here or there, and you're right back to where you started or worse. So I'm sure... Uh, they're going to take it, all the precautions next necessary with Wade Davis. Um, so we'll see. You know, it could be simply 10 days and he's back. I would not be shocked if it's a little longer. But, you know, I hate to speculate completely on how long a guy's going to go out. Uh, but I think the good news for the Rockies, it's their closer doesn't look like it's going to be some, you know, six-week, two-month episode, which can happen with an oblique sometimes. Right. And Wade Davis doing pretty well so far this season, despite some theatrics, despite one uh, really bad loss where he blew the game in the ninth inning in a tall tie ball game. But 2.45 ERA, 7 for 7 in his uh, closing opportunities. But as you mentioned, Patrick, the oblique, especially on a veteran, you know, older closer, 33 years old, you know, lots of uh, high-impact pitches, uh, high-stress pitches out there. It's not like he's a starter settling in. So I, I imagine they're definitely going to be, uh, I guess, a little cautious is the best word and making sure he's completely right when he comes back. But in the meantime, they're going to use Scott Oberg as the closer, and uh, he's been decent so far. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how he – He'll perform in a, a very high pressure role. I, I imagine his face is going to be even redder on the mound now, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, Scott Oberg, and I think for both of us, is, is one of our favorite guys on the team. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be in a pressure role, but he seems to just carry the weight of that pretty well. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a feisty competitor. Um, looking at his numbers now, his ERA is terrific 177 over 20 in the third. Uh, he average against just 186, a 1.18 whip. All the things you want from um, you know a ninth inning guy, short term or long term. The one disconcerting thing I see uh, with Oberg, and he, I think you'd agree with this, he's struck out 13, and he, Scotty's not necessarily a strikeout you know expert or pitcher. He gets some contact to get outs, but he's also given up 11 walks and. 20 and a third. That's that's too many walks for a ninth inning guy. So he's going to have to make sure when he comes in, he gets down to business right away because, you know, if you don't have a huge strikeout pitch, uh, it's more difficult, in my estimation, 
to escape trouble, to escape with runners on base. So Scotty's going to have to tighten it up a little bit. But I think he'll be just fine mentally in terms of taking on that role and trying to close out games. And I think you'd agree with me. I'm curious to see, despite, you know, Wade Davis's injury and some of the other things, uh, and despite what Carlos Estevez did on Thursday's game when he gave up three home runs in one inning, I think the bullpen's been actually pretty decent. I'm, I'm curious what you think. Yeah, Patrick, I wrote about this, I think, last week, into last week. I mean, comparative to last season, uh, they're they're ahead of the curve, and they're you know, about middle of the pack in, in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. You know, they've had some ugly moments. They've had some bad individual performances. I mean, Sun Oh really comes to mind, obviously. Uh, but they've also had some some pretty steadiness uh, through the first, you know, quarter plus of the season. Now, granted, the microscope has not been on the bullpen uh, as it was last year when the starting rotation was so good. And, you know, maybe this is simplifying it, but the bullpen had more chances to blow it. You know, this season, the, the starting rotation has really scuffled and the bullpen quietly has has done their job. Now, um, Chad Bettis has been, I think, key in that and in, in sliding into a longer relief role and doing so pretty effectively. Uh, Mike Dunn, I'm still optimistic about him, despite some inflated numbers early. And Carlos Estevez, I mean, you mentioned he got shelled today, three home runs, two thirds of an inning uh, for six total and four earned. But He's really shown some promise, and we've touched on that too, Patrick, uh, as has Yinti Almonte in, in a very small sample size so far this year. Yeah, I agree. Estevez, he worries me a little bit, and I'll tell you why. And I think he worries Bud Black a little bit too. Uh, you've got to do a lot to earn Bud Black's trust and have him put you in there with a close game on the line. And Estevez clearly had earned that trust, but the fact that there's a there's a thin line for Estevez, in my opinion, between being a dominant guy who throws hard and gets guys out with a, primarily his fastball and slider and a guy who's just off, and when he's off, he gets clobbered. And that's what happened today. So I'm wondering if, if maybe Bud Black's going to ease off on Carlos a little bit here for a while because today's performance was not very good. The guy, One of the guys that's intriguing to me now is... Uh, Chad Bettis, and yes, he's been a long reliever for the most part, but he's been pretty steady lately. And I'm wondering if, if with Wade Davis on the on the IL now, and Scott, pardon me, Scott Oberg going to the ninth inning role, and and O struggling, I don't know if this is going to happen. But I'll be curious to see if if Bettis might, you know, be charged with a, a little bit more high wire role if that's the way to put it i don't know that i think chad would embrace any challenge that comes his way but that's something that the rockies might look into and you know the other guy that that both of us i think are pleasantly surprised with has been brian shaw uh 2.70 era right now 1.03 whip uh he's striking guys out pretty well Uh, he's gotten in some trouble and gotten out of it uh, Brian Shaw, in a season that's for the most part has been, I think, frustrating is a fair term for it, has been a very pleasant surprise for the Rockies. Again, folks, Patrick Saunders alongside Kyle Newman on the On the Rocks podcast, just assessing Wade Davis and what his absence, his short-term or perhaps a little longer-term absence, will mean for this Rockies bullpen. Again, you can head to denverpost.com OTR for a special subscription rate 
to our Rockies coverage throughout the season. And be sure to keep it tuned to our Twitter handles at P Saunders DP and at Kyle Newman DP for continued coverage throughout this 10 game homestand coming up, Patrick, which, you know, I hate to be like the, the TV TV cable news reporters at the beginning of the homestand, but it's kind of a big homestand, you know? Well, it is, you know, and I, I talked to Nolan Arnato about that very thing after today's loss to uh, the pirates here at PNC park. And, you know, Nolan, one of the things I love about Nolan, he's refreshingly candid sometimes. You know, he'll admit, he'll say, hey, we're not playing as, as well as we need to. Uh, we need to start winning some series. We need to do this, and we need to take care of business. And uh, you got to think this 10-game 10, 10 homestand, I think it's the longest one of the entire year, it's big. And it's big in part because of who the Rockies are going to be playing. I mean, they're playing the Orioles, the worst team in baseball, for three games. And then you go with the D-backs, uh, division rival, for four. Um, you know, and that's seven of the ten, and the, then the Blue Jays come in. You know, the Rockies haven't performed all that well at home this year to start with. I believe they have a losing record at home. So they need to, you know, they need to start taking care of business. And, uh, you know, they certainly are not going to be done if they don't make hay on this homestand, uh, but man, they've got to start putting something together, because running now, in my opinion, Kyle, they're just treading water. Treading water and looking way, way up at the Dodgers in the divisional standings, not to mention very competitive wild card landscape in the National League that's sure to shape up over these next couple months heading into the All-Star break. And that'll just about do it for today's segment. Again, head to DenverPost.com slash Rockies for continued intensive coverage throughout the rest of the season. And until next time, folks, this has been Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders, and take it easy. Take it easy.